Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, April Rennie. So perhaps we could start at a meta level, Mm -hmm. April, and why you wanted to write this book, which was published in the second half of 2021, but which you had started working on well before the start of the pandemic, and what those eight superpowers are for thriving in constant change. Sure. So I'll try to keep this brief. Interrupt me. We can make this a conversation in any way, shape, or form. But taking the first question first, this book, it's interesting. I mean, it's called Flux, right? Everyone's like, right, welcome to my life. Welcome to the world. It is in flux. And I'm like, yep. Now, the interesting thing is, though, I didn't write this book about COVID. I didn't write it about 2020 or 2021 or 2022, even though these things are incredible validation and acceleration of some of these ideas. I wrote it more fundamentally about humans' relationships to change and uncertainty and how much we struggle with not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what to do, feeling confused and afraid and anxious about uncertainty. Because when we look towards the future, there's more uncertainty, there's more change, there's more unknowns. And oh no, that does not bode well if humans are not grooved to embrace it. And so there's this longer, I call it, the the book is both timely in that like people like, oh, right, flux right now here today. But it's this more timeless arc of human experience around how much change we're all having to deal with, how much uncertainty, but also this ever faster pace of change. And what does that portend? And so in this light, and I'll just make this part really, really brief, but I I like to say that I, I bring three lenses to change and sort of three different things drove me or encouraged me to to write it. One is most recently in this role as a futurist, right? Where I'm trying to help companies and organizations figure out like, where's the future heading and how do we fit into it, right? And in this capacity, I've just seen time and again, how every single organization and I would say every single person on the planet struggles with change in some way. Not necessarily in the same way, but there's just so much need and room for improvement. 
And then second is this global piece that I, that you mentioned just in terms of my privilege and the, the gratitude I have for having had and, and continuing to have a very international global career. It's exposed me to lots of different cultures and lots of different peoples and different ways of seeing and thinking and believing and working and all the rest. And, and what I saw there is that every single culture also struggles with change, but has developed different ways of seeing it and talking about it and figuring things out. And what I mean by this is there's just so much we can learn from one another if we can connect those dots. So part of what I want the book to do is connect those dots. And then last but not least, and I hope this this resonates at least in some way for some of the people listening in today. If I go back to like, when did my journey to flux begin? It's actually when I was in college. And I like to say that the third lens I bring is my human story, my lived experience with change and uncertainty. And for me, that story began when I was 20 and I was a junior in college and both of my parents died in a car accident. And I know I've just sort of inserted a really hard topic into the conversation. And I want to be really clear. I love talking about this and it's not fearful. It was a tragedy, but I'm not fearful of it. I've actually come to see it as one of the hardest things I endured, but one of the best things that actually led me to change how I saw myself and the future and what to do and how to make my way through. And really that sense of what do you do when you don't know what to do? Because in that instant, when I was 20, like everything I thought about the world and my future, it just kind of melted. I had no idea what I was supposed to do and how was I supposed to rebuild my family? What was I supposed to do about my career? Right. I mean, it was all up for grabs. And so I offer that because I never would have imagined that I would write a book about this back then. But I look back and I go, oh, yeah, I mean, this is all guided by my own journey of peeling the layers back of my own onion, so to speak, to figure out not only what do you do when you don't know what to do, but how do you do something that can be uniquely you and add value to others and the world? So, but you were also, if I may jump in, because you also listened to your gut and your intuition, April, as a young person and did not listen to the people who looked at you and said, why are you moving all over the place? Why are you studying this, that, and the other? You should just pick a lane and stay in that lane. Focus and climb that ladder. Now, yes, and thank you for bringing this up because I will say, and I always, I do want to give the caveat that well before my parents died, when I was five, I was interested in a lot of different things. And not in a scattered way. I just, I was curious about everything, right? What do I want to be when I grow up? everything. Like, like, don't make me pick. That seems so strange. And then, so that was already there. And I, the seeds of seeing my career a bit differently and the seeds of not really seeing the ladder or the the box that you're supposed to fit into as fitting me very well. But when they died, that added a whole other layer and I'll, I'll frame it as it became very clear to me that I could die tomorrow you could die tomorrow. Anybody, I love, we, we all, no one knows how long we have. And I say this not to be morbid in any way, shape or form, but it has this ability to kind of crystallize. Like the question that I started asking myself at that time and have asked myself pretty much every day in some way, shape or form ever since is, 
if I were to die tomorrow, what would the world, so not my ego, not social media, but the world, what would the world need me to do today? And it's this ability to kind of say, have I given life my all? And I can also say in the aftermath of my parents' accident, I had a lot of people with all the love in their heart, people who are very concerned about me and my well-being. And I will be grateful for that forever because I did have to figure it out. And I pretty much had to figure it out on my own in terms of like, no one was going to take responsibility for me. But I had professor, really well-meaning professors with your, with your credentials, you should go work at a consulting firm or an investment bank. And I remember being, and I say this with lots of respect for consulting firms and investment banks. This is not criticism. This is me as a 20-year-old saying, if I die tomorrow, does the world need another consultant or investment banker today? I'm like, no, no, that is not the best use of my time. And that is not what the world needs. There is something else I'm being called to do. But I was also stuck with the, I don't know what exactly what that thing is. I just know it's not this. And it became my responsibility to figure out what that thing is. And in the process, though, what I discovered is that it didn't have to fit into someone else's box. If I was willing to invest my time and sweat, do the hard work, but also I did have to push back on people, people who loved me, people who wanted what was best for me, but that I knew wasn't in my heart. And so I can also confide in this. This might've come up on our earlier conversation. I still remember early in my career as in my twenties and exactly what you were echoing earlier, where people were like, what are you doing? Because instead of working at a consulting firm or an investment bank, I opted to go and guide hiking and biking trips in various places around the world. Paid me a fraction of what an investment bank would have paid me, but exposed me to the world. Allowed me to live for nearly four years without a permanent address with a backpack and a journal and a quest to better understand how the rest of the world lived so that I could better know how I could serve. And these colleagues that were like, you're a dilettante, you're escaping something, like, who are you to do this? You're, you're basically, your career is going to crash. And I would be like, I don't think they understand what I'm after here. I'm not after climbing a ladder. I'm not after just making a bunch of money. There's so much more to what's going on here. And several years passed and I ended up, you know, I went to grad school and I kind of got my, started getting my feet a bit more on the ground and then started developing these more unique career paths. And the very same colleagues, I will remember, I still remember, the day they came to me and the same people that had given me such a hard time and basically poo-pooed everything I was doing. And that at a really tender, raw time in my life, I still had to push back and say, no, you don't understand what I'm going for here. They came to me and they were like, oh, now we see what you're doing. Hey, how do we do that? And I remember being like, don't be so quick to judge what another person, how another person sees their career evolving. And from that point forward, it also gave me the confidence to be like, there are a bunch of different ways to think about your career, to design your career, to pursue your career, et cetera. And more and more, only one of them is this sort of ladder. And this ladder is not necessarily the best way for a lot of people to do it. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T for C. 
And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.